Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. My guests on the panel were Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service at the Homeland Security Department, and Togai Andrews, the Chief Information Security Officer at FEMA, also at DHS. First, we hear from Shane Barney of USCIS. Stock optimization is a journey, not, not a destination. So, you know, when you're talking about what you, what you first, first off, you have to decide what you're optimizing. Uh, you have to decide your model. You have to look at your, whether you're going to do a completely internal model, if you're going to do some sort of hybrid where you're doing shared services across the enterprise, um, or, or you're just going to, you know, go to justice and have them do it all for you. So, you know, we have decided, DHS as a whole has decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to share services across the enterprise where it makes sense, and, and, then, you know, you know, and then go from there. You know, and, and that's a good approach. But then you, you've got to start also talking about other aspects of this. So there's more to it than just discern, determining, you know, what things will be shared or versus, versus not shared. Uh, you, you've got to look at, you know, your data streams. You've got to start looking at your, you know, do you, are you, have, do you, have you established your thresholds on your user analytics, on your asset analytics? Have, do you have your network, you know, centers in place? Um, have you got your, you know, are you monitoring your endpoints? Uh, then, you're, then you move on to the really cool stuff. That's when you start talking about integration, when you start talking about automation and, and really pushing the envelope there. Uh, we've managed to actually get rid of our complete tier one in our SOC at USCIS, primarily because we automated it out of existence. I was, I was sick and tired of paying people to stare at screens. Um, it makes no sense. It's silly. You know, I, I, can, I can have a dog. I can send my dog down there. They can stare at the screen. I don't need to pay people to do that. I want to automate that. So we got rid of it. You know, and we're, we're furthering that automation, uh, even as I speak. And, and then from that, you know, you develop um, even further robust, more, more needs. The other thing you have to recognize is the diversity of, of the SOC is changing. And, and you know, if you're, if you're cloud-heavy like USCIS is, we're 80 90% cloud, I think, at this point. Your SOC better reflect that. Uh, and what that means is if your infrastructure is code, your security is code, too. So your, your stock, SOC floor better have development teams on it. And if you don't, you've already lost not just the, the battle, you've lost the war, and you just probably don't know it yet. We've had several incidences, I guess we could call it, in cloud, and every single time it was the development teams that rode, that rode basically the show on that. They helped us resolve it, they helped us fix it, they helped us determine it, all aspects of it, and then develop mitigation solutions going forward to fix the problem. So, you know, you've got, if we're going to start talking about optimization, you know, first understand your environment, understand your data, and, and understand your assets. And, and then, then that's really how you begin to get at optimization. Now, for DHS, they've, their three-pronged approach to optimization, it, it's actually a good, solid way to go about it. You know, first off, we need to determine and kind of set the playing field. Where are we as a SOC? And they're, they've got a couple models that they're working with, and then they're determine who is you know, who's got what, who's doing what's the best at what. Um, USCIS is really good at SOC automation, so we're going to become a center of excellence for that. You know, other organizations, you know, maybe CPP is really good at, at digital forensics. They all become the, the, the service, maybe either a service provider, but, or at least the feeder for the other organizations. You know, that kind of an approach to, to, autom- to optimization does actually work. Now, my only concern with it is that DHS and federal agencies as, all, as a whole have a really bad tendency to get a compliance mindset. We, we love to create things that are green. Oh, look how green we are. We're so, we're so green. We're so awesome. That doesn't tell me anything, right? Uh, you know, matrixing and all these little widgets and numbers they come up with, 
at the end of the day, it, it makes a, some, somebody in a senior leadership position happy because their scorecard's green. Oh, we must be secure. We're green. Well, OPM was green, too. So, you know, let's, let's end the compliance mindset. Um, you know, let's all, you know, you've got a focus. If optimization is occurring, you've got to focus on risk. And risk has to be a key aspect of that. Shane, one quick follow-up I will okay. ask about is um, when you talk about automation, we hear that term. We, I love the fact you're like security operators. SOC as a service is the latest buzzword. Like we can have buzzword bingo. But when you so let's let's pull on that string of automation a little bit. When you talk about what does it mean to automate? What are you automating? When you say you got rid of your tier one, what does that mean? There are several aspects to it. I mean, we you have to look at. This is knowing your environment, for one. That, that's really key. Knowing your data. Um, data is everything. The amount of data that we generate in a given day is shocking. I think we're almost five terabytes a day now or something like that. And this is just, real quick, just security data, right? Yeah. Well, it's everything. Oh, okay. It's everything. Okay. You know, so it's... And I don't, I don't think there's any data that's not security at this point, Okay. frankly. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm Joe. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased <laughs> that way. But honestly, there's, there's nothing that we haven't looked at that we can't utilize in some fashion, some form, whether it's sort of user analytics or, you know, behavior of our asset or, you know, anything. Anything becomes fodder for us. Um, but at the same time, I, obviously, five terabytes is a little bit much to have someone sit there and sift through. Just a little. So you, automation becomes critical at that point when you start talking about how you do, you know, because you have to understand how you do incident management, too. So, and, and, and that's really important. You know, are you using chat ops? Are you, you know, AI ops or... Oh, I don't know, insert another buzzword here. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, understanding that, then you begin automating around that and, and getting rid of those redundant, silly tasks that we all have. Vulnerability management, silly, redundant task. But, you know, at the same time, you, so you're going to automate things like your ticket creations. I don't want to pay somebody to create tickets in Snow or, or whatever tool you're using. Or you're going to create automations that pull data forward when it finds something. So, in other words, if, if, if an alert pops... And since I'm no longer paying people to stare at screens going, oh, look, an alert popped. I, wanna, you know, I want that alert to pop. I want it to actually do something when it does. So if it's going to pop and it's going to say, hey, there's something weird going on on this particular desktop, I want it to pull all the desktop logs forward. I want it to pull all the user information forward. I want it to go and do an analytics on, on the Splunk logs or whatever you know, in the past 72 hours or, or how many hours back. I want all that to come forward automatically. And I want it to also pr provide me some analytics up front. I want to say, hey, this is what we're finding. We're finding some correlations between these different IP addresses. We're seeing an outbound destination here. Oh, and by the way, you know, there's you know, 50 gigabytes of data flowing out. I want it to tell me that. That's automation. Very nice. All right, Togai from FEMA. My strategy at FEMA, um, specifically for my SOC, has to do with really all of what he said. We're all part of the department. <laughs> Thank you. But specifically to, to, me, uh, to my said. agency, right? Yeah. Specifically to my agency, I'm really trying to, to fuse the people, the process, and the technology as SOC is concerned. To me, that's my SOC, that's SOC optimization. Uh, as far as the processes, I mean, Sean talked about automation. It's really, yeah, for FEMA, it's really taking all of these workflows, trying to automate most of it so that it becomes more streamlined and more effective. Uh, to automate, you need the right data. So we, have, we get a lot of data, as he also said. Um, but what data do we really need to be to have an effective automated process? And we need to determine what that is. And that's what my, my team is doing, is figure out what are the data sets that is right for a automated process, right? Uh, one of trying to figure out what data is right has to do with uh, figure out what, what is ready on your network. What are the devices that you have on your network? Identifying those devices, tagging them so that 
when it, is, when it becomes part of a workflow, an automated workflow, everybody knows there's a standard process for that and what uh, the device is. And then you go back to going to the technology piece. It's really integrating technology that will help us uh, orchestrate. That's another buzzword, right? <laughs> <laughs> telling you, we could play buzzword bingo. <laughs> go ahead. Um, and to really orchestrate some of the, uh, the workflows that you have your tier one or your tier two analyst sitting in the sauce, staring at the screen doing. So if you can automate that piece also, then you can uh, definitely, and what, I'm, what we're trying to do then is um, rely on the people the streamline and the expertise people at the tier three or tier two level that can really uh, sit at the end of the workflow, the workflow to, to uh, uh, bring in that human factor in the analysis of, our, our, of an incident. But I think at the end of the day, what I really want out of my SOC and out of my optimization strategy is to really reduce the time it takes to de- detect and the time it takes to respond to an incident within FEMA. Uh, um, and, hope, and that, in turn, will help the department as a whole uh, improve its medium time for detection and response to. All right. We're going to come to you in a second, but let me just ask the one logical follow-up. You talked about people, process, and technology. You went through kind of the process side. You touched upon the technology side, so uh, the people side. You want them at the Tier 2, Tier 3 levels. So are you looking at, at a different type of uh, workforce? Are you looking at a different type of hiring are you looking to bring in contractors who can provide that deeper analysis? Where's the talk a little bit about the people side of this equation, if you can? So, at the people side, uh, not necessarily rehiring; it's more retooling the, the very same people that we have, so that they can respond at that higher level uh, of the analytic workflow. But do you feel like and they're ready to do that because that's a different thing, as Shane mentioned about staring at screens. I mean, it's it's one thing to say. That's an anomaly. You know, it should be ABC, and this is ABD. So create the alert or whatever you guys do. Yeah. So that's why I guess I wanted the next. Considering you know our audience's industry, I think they'd be interested to know maybe if oh well is are there is there a contract or is there something else? There's an acquisition. Is gotcha. like how are you dealing with the people <laughs> piece? We are because changing. Yeah, we are changing ours. I we it start and it starts at not just in the sock. It starts at all levels. You know, ISOs, for, I'll start with the ISOs. ISOs traditionally, I mean, I think we've been using the same job description for ISOs since like circa 1950. They were, and no insult to anyone who's ever been an ISO, but they've been glorified secretaries and paper pushers. That's got to change. It just flat out does. I, you know, I, I, the, the ISOs are for me, USCIS is a heavy, heavy devil, development shop. 35, 4,000, we have almost 4,000 developers, I think, now. So development is everything. We're moving at lightning speeds. If, you're, if the people that you rely on to be your eyes and ears as a CISO are, are not up to speed on the latest cloud technologies or the latest development pathways or pipelines, then you've, you're blind. And so, you know, we're changing that. Uh, we released an, a contract that's hopefully will be awarded soon that basically that does that, that we, the, we've upped the ante. So now I have cloud experts who are ISOs. My ISOs, you know, I have a cloud ISO, I'll have a development pipeline ISO, I'll have. And that means that they have experience being a developer. They know what code looks like. They know what bad code looks like. They know what a security problem is in code. Um, the same for cloud, the same for, you know, infrastructure. You have to diversify. The SOC is no different. I already mentioned the fact that developers now sit on my floor. I have development teams assigned to my SOC. That's new for security. Security never had developers. I have almost 100. 
um, and I'm expanding as fast as I can go. So we have to diversify. And that also means you have to have SMEs in very, you know, very, con- you know, very concrete areas. Cloud is different. Uh, I, I say that all the time. People love to think of cloud as like just an extension of your prem. So not. Different language, different a- access points, different ways of authentication, different uh, access groups and controls. All of it's different. And then the vendors between the different cloud providers are all different. So we're heavy in AWS, but we also have a Google presence. We also have an Azure presence. They're all different. Um, and you have an expert who sits in one. They aren't necessarily going to be an expert in the other. Um, so having your SMEs or built into your SOC um, are, are critical as well, especially for incident and incident response. So I think on the people part, specifically for FEMA, yes, our SOC is, is kind of a hybrid feds and, and, and contractors. So as part of our retooling and, and uh, um, ensuring that our contractors and our federal staff are performing at a tier three level, that means we have folks that aren't necessarily just looking at alerts, but really doing uh, that uh, in-depth analysis and, and doing intelligence hunting and threat hunting on the network rather than uh, just uh, monitoring uh, uh, basic alerts. We have to take a break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. My guests on the panel were Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, and Togai Andrews, the Chief Information Security Officer at FEMA. In this segment of the show, the panelists take questions from the audience. Paul Strasser with Brilliant Corporation. Uh, My question is, uh, in the president's management agenda, one of the goals of the CAP goals is to move from low-value to high-value work. And one of the ways that people are doing that, you talked about automation, is through robotic process automation. And yet the challenge <laughs> is the challenge is that credentialing bots and seats is, uh, it seems to have had some resistance and, as opposed to going through the ATO process. So I'm just curious what your views are or what you're doing about that. All right. It's so, automation. Isn't it an automation <laughs> chain? No, it's my, it's my new access database hell. Um, so not, nothing's wrong with access databases, but when everybody has an access database on their desktop and then you get locally developed apps du jour, so, and that becomes a control problem. Bots just take that to a whole new level for us. USCIS is, unfortunately, unfor- unfortunately, depending on your perspective, has several bot programs running right now. And, and there really is a fundamental problem on the security side is how to handle that, you know, and, and then you, you know, and actually even in development environments in general. So USCIS is in the process of shift, shifting its way of doing development from kind of the monolithic sort of approach to more containers and microservices, you know, serviceless. That, that's actually where we're heading. You know, a serverless environment like that does not meet FISMA standards for a system, and neither do bots. So the, the real question of the hour then becomes, well, how do you deal with that from a strictly ATO perspective? Um, my, my solution is simple. I, I ATO the pipeline. And then anything developed within that pipeline becomes, inherits that ATO as a subsystem. Um, it's really the only approach you can take and, and still kind of fit within the FISMA boundary laws and, and rules and regulations. But bots actually cause us another headache because bots are platform dependent, depending on where you, who, what bot you are. And, and then you have this whole problem with, making them a person. And (laughs) 
have issues with that. <laughs> um, and, and frankly, right now, the way our process works for on like PIV issuance and, and that sort of thing, well, you kind of have to be a person. They actually want to see you and talk to you, and they want you to show up with your passport and show it to you. Bots aren't going to do that. I, we don't have a solution for it yet. I mean, we've looked at service accounts. We've looked at different processes and account, and, uh, for dealing with that, and the solution isn't there yet person entities and then uh, yeah. they're actually credentialing them with uh, with yep that's, with we've tech. looked at that as doing that yep. as well and, and NASA has also dealt with the same issue NASA if I understand NASA correctly they actually gave them real life like they're like yeah, real cards. people they did and, okay and, good on you NASA and then they started naming them and then got pro- into trouble yeah, yeah no, I, not, I, not I, trouble I, oh, there's Bob challenges <laughs> so three uh, a month ago my uh, my financial folks came over and did a whole brief on RPA and how they really looking to use RPA in the uh, financial part of our uh, of our agency, and that really scared the living hell out of me a little bit, right? <laughs> Especially when it came to when it comes to the identity piece and how do you really uh, 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 ensure the security controls around identity? Um, so it's it's a challenge. And I, I'm really, I'm fully engaged with our, our CFO shop um, on, on their optimization. Because it is part of the optimization uh, project and modernization project of the financial uh, uh, systems. So we, we really, re- what we're doing right now, we have it in our lab, and we're kind of doing, developing test plans around it to really ensure. And for my team, what I'm really trying to figure out is how do we provision identity and manage and access around an identity that is not tied to a person, but to uh, a, a bot. So we're working on that right now. I'm, I'm really curious to find out uh, at the end of this uh, three months uh, test uh, uh, pilot program uh, to see how we can really do that. Because I think that is the future. We have to find a solution to it now. So I'm, I'm, I'm working with my CTO, and we're already uh, invested in, in testing that out. So you, you said the magic words for reporters. We're, we're testing something out. So I got to ask the follow-up. <laughs> Can you go into what that test looks like? Is it specifically just for finan- it's financial management bots, or is it broader? Can you yes, just give us a little financial more? Management, uh, financial management. All right. Another question? Yeah, this is Dan Elwa from ICES Corporation. Just pulling on the automation thread a little bit more. Can you comment on the role of machine learning AI to kind of managing this five terabytes of data that you're getting every day and getting insi- actionable insights out of that? AI ops. I mean, come on. Funny thing is, is that we started doing machine learning before we really were calling it machine learning. That's part of the automation process. I mean, if you're not doing that, you're kind of failing at automation. Because you, if you're doing it correctly, you're making your automation smart. You know, honestly, I have... We have looked at even using the bots for some of that, that machine learning pieces and parts because um, they're really actually good at like this sort of crank it, crank the, you know, cranking things out. But in terms of the machine learning thing, yeah, we, we, we've had to build that in because I wanted to think through some of these processes and present sort of decision points for my, for my analysts. Um, I, I, don't, you know, I don't want just a bunch of raw data that doesn't do me any good. Um, I want data, and if they, the raw data needs to be available, but at the same time, I want, them, I want the automation to make some decisions for us, and that's what we've started already building. We built that actually, some of the very first workflows that we automated had machine learning built right in. Now, in terms of AI, AI to me is more of a catch term at this point. I haven't really seen, I mean, it's a hard enough time finding intelligence in D.C. anyway, artificial or otherwise. <laughs> so, um, you know, present audience excluded, of course. I, obviously, you guys are all here listening to us, so you're obviously very smart. Artificial intelligence, 
it's a really great word it, it, in, in term, and people are throwing it around left and right. I haven't really seen anything that's that's really artificial intelligence. So, you know, that doesn't work for me yet. Machine learning, yes, we do that. You have to do that. Um, if you're not doing that, then you're you're really not automating. Okay. So I, I, I would definitely agree with Sean on machine learning. I think that is that's very interesting. I think that it's more practical for cybersecurity today, especially in the federal uh, space, uh, than AI, right? So when I look at optimization um, and automation in my side, I want when uh, my weekly or however uh, a vulnerability scan is done and devices are identified out of compliance, right? I want that workflow of taking those devices and bringing them back in compliance. It sounds easy, but there are a couple of steps that I require, a couple of different activities required to bring that machine back into compliance. I want all of that process to be automated based on machine learning, right? So that machine comes back into the, into the compliance for flow. Right now, that process it includes someone from the SOG or from your vulnerability management team picking up the phone and calling someone from operations saying, hey, why is this patch not completed yet? And then someone from the operations is going to look into the SCCM to figure out what's really going on. I want that whole flow of activities that is currently taking maybe a day or two to end up being something that is automated and can be done um, in a couple of hours time frame, right? That's, for me, in reality, that's machine learning, that's automation, and that's the value that I want for my, uh, for my son. All right, another question. Mary Ellen Condon, Condon Associates. I'm going to take you back a little bit into a classic problem, the difference between the NOC and the SOC and how these initiatives work <laughs> together or won't work together and, and how wall. you're dealing with that challenge. You know, USCIS years ago started out with a thing called a SNOC, <laughs> and it was the combination of the two. So in, in a perfect world, a SOC and a NOC should exist, coexist. Um, if you've ever seen 135-degree worms where you, you know, have basically bare, bare den rooms set up in such a way where a knock is pointing one way, a sock is pointing the other, but your government watch officers are all sitting at the round table at the top. Because what affects the network often is, is, is sometimes a security problem and sometimes the security things are sometimes a network problem and vice versa. But there's other ways to crack that nut. I mean, so a lot of places don't even co-locate their knock in the sock. Mine happened to be co-located, um, and it, that sort of works. But, you know, just because they're in the same building does not mean they collaborate. Um, so collaboration occurs in, in different forms and fashions. We're actually utilizing some of the automation tools for that collaboration. Um, certain things are set up in such a way that we know these are going to be knock-related or knock-related events, or if they even look like a knock-related event, it pops the alert for the knock. Um, and, we're, and we're working on the, the reverse automation where if they see something that's, yeah, it's completely network-based, but, yeah, something else is going on here, and, and having it smart enough to realize and recognize the difference. Um, that, that's, that's kind of what we're working on right now. Um, haven't perfected that yet. Uh, part of it is, well, that's a different problem. But <laughs> the, the integration of the two, I mean, if you're not doing the integration of the two, you're stupid. Hey, Sh Don't Shane, use me, that as a quote, though. Let me just throw one thing, because you said something that was really uh, interesting earlier that I was going to follow up on if I had to, but since this seems like a good opportunity. If you talked about um, network as code and security as code, and therefore... I stole that from my AWS friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then isn't then isn't knock and sock really merging, integrating because yes. network and security yes. are yeah, absolutely. Your infrastructure is becoming code, platform code. Everything is becoming code. So if all that's code, then so is your knock. So is your knock. Um, I, I don't think everyone realizes that yet. 
Um, they're still treating things as, as if they're real and, and you can reach out and touch them and you really can't. Um, I've, off, I've, off, I've asked AWS to let me go see their data centers and they won't. Um, they're mean that way. Yeah. Uh, I pay them millions of dollars and I can't go see it. But no, it, it's, it's true. I mean, we've moved that line in the sand in terms of where, it's okay guys, I don't mind if I don't get to go see it. Um, it, it we've moved that line in the sand. In other words, AWS or, or Azure or Google or whatever cloud provider you have has, has said, okay, we're going we're gonna to take care of this for you. Um, we're going to do all the infrastructure pieces and parts. We're going to, if something fails, we're going to fix it. You know, you're just going to, you'll just have this nice, clean slate to work from. You know, and that, that changes that paradigm. It changes the way, it, what, it changes what your NOC should be looking at and doing. You're still going to have that last mile that you have to worry about from a NOC perspective, um, you know, to your site or, or how you're connecting into your infrastructure and, and different things like that. But in terms of your, your big picture enterprise, yeah, the NOC, it's really changing the NOC. Probably more so in some, in some respects than the, in the SOC. Togar, do you want to jump in? Or? Yeah, so I, my, CIO, my new CIO came in what, maybe four months ago. She came on board. And my NOG and the SOC are in the same building, but that's a conference room separating the two. And she was like, well, let's move the conference room and kind of merge everybody together. And I was like, that is a structural change that's going to take too long. But I, I think this is just a story about uh, the value that she has in the integration and the collaboration, tight collaboration between those two entities. I do see the, the, the need to have them separate, but tightly uh, uh, um, intertwined and, and, and collaborative. I think it's important um, because I think it's, the NAG provides a separate value uh, uh, from the SOC. But I think together, if they can work hand-in-hand hand together in a very collaborative fashion, uh, it, it, it adds to the overall situational awareness um, uh, of the agency. So that's, and that's where I am really pushing. I don't control the NOC, but I control the SOC. But I, I have uh, a good relationship with the, uh, the NOC chief um, and, and, and the ops folks, and we really collaborate a lot. We share some of the same tools uh, that we have, like our Splunk is shared by the NOC, also, and, and they see some of the same data that we see. Uh, but I think integrating those two uh, workflows uh, uh, together uh, is important. But I don't necessarily believe that they, both entities should be one. We have to take a break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. My guests on the panel were Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, and Togai Andrews, the Chief Information Security Officer at FEMA. In this segment of the show, the panelists continue to take questions from the audience. Good morning, gents. Thank you for your comments. So as we talk about this discussion, uh, of course, it comes down to strategy and where you see that optimal state. Um, so uh, one thing that I'm, I'm interested in is, one, the governance model, as well as what are your measures of success for your SOC optimization? So for me, I, I, was, I was jumping this first. The measure of success initially, because I, I really believe in the idea that you have to uh, – crawl, walk before you run. So I don't, my uh, strategy for optimization and measuring success right now for my SOC is to reduce the, the time that it currently takes, for example, for me to get my, my, uh, uh, my devices in compliance, my endpoint in, in compliance. Currently, I think I mentioned it takes about a day, 
right now, if I can reduce that to maybe six hours, for me, that's success right now. And, and that's my, my cross st uh, stage. I have big ideas of where I wanted to be in the future, right? I want all of that to happen in a matter of uh, an hour, a couple of minutes, but I'm not there yet. I, I need a lot of other structural basic things needs to be done. I, I would answer that question this way. I, I think that the optimal state really, you know, it comes down, it comes down to two things, data and APIs. The, the real true, if, 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 if Paul Beckman was here, what he would tell you is Paul Beckman, as CISO of DHS, wants to have a single pane of glass. He wants to see all, be all, know all, right? Best of luck on that, Paul. But the reality is that's end state, right? And, and it, you can do it in one of two ways. You could either, you know, mandate a tool for everybody to use that everybody has to do, or you can step back from that and say, listen, I really don't care what you use. What I do need is here's my data catalog, and this is, what, this is what the things I need to see. This is how I need to see them. This is the time frame I need to see them in. Here's our API gateway. Thumbs up, knock yourselves out. You do that model, that's, that's doable. That's achievable. That's manageable. Um, you know, right now, that's, I, I, I would hope, I, I think, believe, DHS is heading in that direction. I, I think I've had a little influence on that. And, you know, pushing, you know, we talk about SOC automation. I mean, honestly, what we're really talking about, we're talking about data and we're talking about APIs. And, and that's, that's really the end point, right? That's a, that level of integration. And let me throw the other piece of Daryl's question there because uh, he asked about governance. And maybe from, since you have a DHS initiative that's ongoing around, okay, how do we consolidate? How do we make things better? And then you also have the governance side just internally. If you both maybe could address either one of those, the, the bigger one so or the smaller one. I think when you're talking optimization, you're actually optimizing both. So you can't talk about one without the other. Go governance is, is a critical aspect of that. Now, DHS actually has a... Decent, can I say decent? Decent structure for governance. Um, it's like any federal organization, right? You know, you're, you have your, your holes, you have, your, you have your, minus, your pluses and your minuses. But at the same time, building that into your optimization strategy, the governance piece is critical because, you know, how you manage the rest of the, the minutiae out there, you know, as much as I would love to say that we're just going to be really cool and have all these really neat tools and APIs and it's going to be really awesome, it's not. We're still going to have audits. We're still going to have silliness. We're still going to have Excel spreadsheets, unfortunately. And, and you know, so we're not going to get away from that being a government entity. And that's all that governance stuff that needs to be taken care of. And on top of that, you need to manage the other socks so to ensure that what you're still receiving is that single pane of glass. That goes back to governance. So for governance, uh, to add to that, on the governance side, I mean, it, there's a challenge there too, right? Because if you look at, oh, specifically for FEMA, we're more of a physical data center uh, uh, environment. And then uh, a couple of our programs, entities decided to move to the cloud. And the agency as a whole had not moved the governance structure or revised the governance structure to include cloud and all these other new technologies. So right now we are behind, because we, so we need to build or to revise our governance structure so that when folks move to the cloud, security can be included in that contract uh, with the CSP, right? So that has not, it's not fully in, in place yet. And that's one of the challenges that I, I'm facing uh, as I try to optimize uh, my SOC as well. How do I get that same situational awareness that I have in my physical environment uh, in the cloud also? Because I'm not there yet, and I, and I have. My folks, my customers are already there, way ahead of me. So it's, it is a challenge, and, and I think it's really important that, uh, that we, I get it right, and I get it right real soon. We have to take a break. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. 
Today, I'm playing excerpts from a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. My guests on the panel were Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, and Togai Andrews, the Chief Information Security Officer at FEMA. In this segment of the show, the panelists continue to take questions from the audience. Kathleen Coles, Deepwater Point. I have about a 12-part question. The reality is everybody sitting in the room here comes from perhaps large corporations, small businesses, technology companies who are facing the same sort of risk issues that you are. How do you take a global environment and make it secure? Identity, credentialing, access management, the data, the APIs. And so we have FedRAMP, and now we have FedRAMP uh, uh, companies that are there, and when they spend millions of dollars to do FedRAMP and be a secure risk approach to assist you, they oftentimes come in and nobody wants to talk because they need ATOs to begin, they need to get you know going in business, and so we're, we're seeing a roadblock on ATOs for lots of different reasons. So my question is for the innovators here that want to support you and are doing it in their own business, how will you work with companies to do an innovation approach and try to look at new capabilities and bring these, because it's happening in the commercial market. Thank you. I will give you an example to maybe use that to answer your question. At FEMA, we have a bunch of learning management systems. And every program, every entity wants to go out and and establish their own learning management system to provide their own business needs to the customers also. So you have folks that are doing firefighter training academy. They have their own learning management system. And you have folks that are doing emergency disaster response. They have their own learning management system. So we have a bunch of them around. And now most of these systems are, or the vendors are moving to the cloud, have providing a cloud-based solution. The, the ask has always been, uh, since I got to feel my, hey, I need you to sponsor the ATO for this vendor, this LMS vendor. And I had about, I think in the first, I'm new at FEMA, by the way, I'm a, this is my sixth month at FEMA. I think in the first four months, I had about six different requests uh, to provide um, an agency-sponsored ATO for a learning management system a vendor. And I was like, no, 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 pause, guys. There's no need to, for me to invest my resources in six or eight or ten different um, agency-sponsored ATO packages. Let's look at how best we can consolidate our business needs so that we have a particular one or two LMS that we can provide sponsorship for. And, um, and I think right now the folks are going back around to figure out, well, on the, on the internal side, let's consolidate our, 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 our learning management system. And then on the external side, let's find a vendor that we can work with to provide that. Because even though a vendor may have a fair REM accreditation or feels that they are capable of providing all of the uh, controls in place for a fair REM accreditation, at the end of the day, the risk still, uh, is still upon the agency, and it's still the agency's responsibility uh, to uh, ensure that all those controls that are in place remain in place throughout the life of the contract uh, uh, with the agency. So it's a huge investment, and, I, and I'm, I'm really not taking that lightly because I, I know it's, it, it's going to be resource intensive, even after the initial ATO. 
So I, USC has a slightly different perspective. Um, like I said, we're really cloud heavy and have been doing this for a while. And um, in, in using you know, software as a service and infrastructure as a service and other platforms as a service um, is kind of the norm. So you know, if, if a small business, a large business, medium-sized business, whatever, they come to us and they've got a solution that solves a problem for us or addresses a mission need or we'll, we'll embrace it, have done on numerous occasions. Um, it is a huge investment on the government side to do so. You know, FedRAMPs makes my life easier. I prefer FedRAMP products out the gate. It's my first question I always ask. That said, we wouldn't turn it down. If we really wanted the product, we really needed this or really wanted that for whatever reason, we wouldn't turn it away and haven't. Don't, wouldn't. This is not the way we approach things. Um, I think you, you do have to grow your organization to the point where you can handle that, um, understand what you're looking at, and understand what the risks you're absorbing. Um, but the vendor also has to come in willingly to, to partner up. It's a, it's a partnership at that point. It's no longer, and I view it as such, it's no longer just, you know, you're the vendor, I'm the government. This is a partnership, and, and we're in this together. We're going to share all these risks. I'm taking on risk, you're taking on risk. You know, as long as we all come to the table with the same ideas and, and sort of a, a common theme around that, around, you know, re- reducing our risks, being open and honest about what we're doing, and, and having that kind of commitment, it works really well. And we've had a lot of success with it. Um, and, and, in fact, a lot of times it does lead them getting their FedRAMP authorization, and, and it, we've helped several companies do that. The challenge you're seeing, though, is, is the – where Shane is saying – figure out the problem we have and, and the solution, and then we'll be happy to work with you to get you to that finish line, which is in many ways FedRAMP. But you're seeing that you can't even present that solution sometimes, that there's a door that's not being opened because that first question. So USCI has changed our model somewhat recently, and we started doing something called Tech Talks. And Tech Talks are an opportunity for vendors or anybody, federal government, we've invited just about everybody of every flavor in, to come and tell us what they do. Just come show us what you do. Um, don't bring your sales team, though. Bring your techies. Bring your geeks. Because my geeks will be there, and they're going to ask you a lot of geek questions. And if it's your sales team and you can't answer my questions, we'll kick you out. The other agencies that's doing that as well, as I learned this just recently, CMS has those same vendor tech talk days. And yeah, we do. We do you guys should do a better job every of, uh, other week. You may want to promote that a little better. I know, it's my CTO, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Talker, anything to add on that? Well, yeah, so... I don't think it's outright no to the vendor. It's, it's more of, well, what is the return on investment uh, to the agency? I mean, resources are scarce, right? And I know that FedRAM sponsorship or ATO sponsorship for, uh, for vendor, it is an investment on the agency. It's, it's, it's a, it is a huge investment. And I don't want to just uh, enter into that lightly. So if, if, if the return on investment is high enough, that warrants the agency investing in that, then yes. Uh, but if there can be, if there's other alternatives that may, for, for, uh, to, that may provide a 90% solution for a business need, then I, w- I would rather go there than invest in something that may give me a 95% return on investment. I would take the, 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 um, the 90% and use something that is already FedRAM or something that is already in-house. But I'm very open to looking at what vendors have to offer and what kind of solutions they, they have and, and, and where we can partner. And I, I don't think we need, honestly, the way I look at it also, I am integrating or working with vendors that provide solutions to my agency that aren't fair uh, certified. It's just it's, it's a risk-based decision. It depends on the data that's been processed. If I'm only processing abstract data, then I'm fine with that, or just a basic, uh, some basic PI data, I'm fine with that. Username and publicly available PI. So let me correct that. 
<laughs> then I'm, I'm fine with uh, doing a risk-based approach to, uh, uh, to that also. I think I just recently did that with one of my vendors. All right, one more question. Hi, Tim Ryan, MicroFocus Government Solutions. For both of you, what's your biggest initiative next year? What's the biggest thing you hope to accomplish in your SOC optimization? Hey, I don't think I could narrow it down to a single one. Um, we have several things on, on, on the work doing several things all at once. One is we're, we're expanding, we're actually expanding our entire automation team to meet some DHS requirements and some other things for integrations. Um, but internally, I'm heavily focused on sort of the, the next generation for SOC. We're changing that, that dynamic. I, I want my SOCs more, more nimble. I want them more flexible. Um, you know, I, I want to start, we're actually spreading the SOC out in some respects, whereas you know, we do have a central location and where, where a lot of the analysts sit. But I, I don't want to rely heavily on that all the time. So we, we've got a lot of our focused ops teams now spread out throughout the nation, actually. We don't really care where you live. We've actually found that works really, really well. Um, so integrating the SOC virtually as well and bringing all that team together virtually is really critical for me. Um, because during an incident, it's important that we all collaborate and have that level of collaboration available to us. The other, the other piece, though, is I, I really am focused heavily on better data ingest and in, in, and analytics. Um, the, the machine learning piece is heavy for us. And, we, you know, we're not reducing the amount of data that's flowing in. We're just ever, we're adding, we're adding about a terabyte and a half a year at this rate. So, you know, for me, dealing with that integration and making sure that the new data sets that are coming online are in line with what we need to see, or, or at least we're indexing them correctly and seeing them correctly, and then making sure they're being built into our processes is the next key. Well, there's really two key things that I did, hopefully this time next year I would like to have, have accomplished. One I touched on a little bit earlier on is really uh, retooling or integrating cloud security into my SOC, right? Because I, as I said, I'm playing catch-up. Customers have already gone to the cloud, and I, I do not have a way back in. They do not have a way back into our own SOC, our, our, sorry, our on-prem SOC uh, to do the, the security piece. So I'm playing catch-up there. I, I do not want the data to come back to, to my physical SOC. I want to SOC in the cloud so that I can, I can, I can more effectively uh, uh, manage security that way. That's one of the things I really want to have accomplished by this time next year. And then the, the second piece has to do with data is just kind of fine-tuning and, 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 and developing a strategy around collecting the right data to meet my, uh, uh, my SOC needs. And, and that's really hard is to determine what the right kind of data should be that you should collect, that, that is needed to bring that visibility across the enterprise. That's all the time we have. Today I put excerpts of a panel I moderated at the FCA Bethesda Breakfast on Security Operations Center Optimization. My guests on the panel were Shane Barney, the Chief Information Security Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service at the Homeland Security Department, and Togai Andrews, the Chief Information Security Officer at FEMA, also at DHS. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 